When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Alan, you wanted to talk about something very, very intimate, very important to you, very sexual yeah, even. It is. Um, Brent needs money. <laughs> I do. I do. I need. And that turns me on. <laughs> I need. I need three dollars oh from God. each one now, of you. No. We're here to say, if again, we've said this before, but we just want to jump in early and tell you all if you guys want to support our Patreon, we are doing fun things this week. We oh, talk sorry. about annoying movie theater etiquette and um, lots of other things that you have. Yeah, to we, we, we went in page. depth on we movie did. theater etiquette. There was a moment where I said, "How dare you?" And there a, are so many. What's that. great about the Patreon is you have three levels that you can you can support us at the six, eight, and ten dollar level, all within the standard OnlyFans level that we feel is appropriate <laughs> right, in this economy. Right, right. And each level gives you something exciting. So the first level gives you early access to every episode. You'll get it on Tuesdays, sometimes Wednesdays at the latest, which is mm-hmm. very exciting. Mm-hmm. You also get what else do you get from that, guys? I think you get a sticker, right? Well, yes, you get a sticker, but what else do you get in terms of their podcast feed? I don't know. <laughs> I don't segment, the segment. Oh, you son of a bitch. Oh, oh. you son of you a bitch. You get an extra segment at the 8 and $10 level. You guys don't even know your own fucking <laughs> Well, I don't log in. I didn't at join. The, yeah, I, I'll, don't worry. I'll take care of it. My own podcast. Um, no, there's, at, the, at the 8 and $10 level, you get an extra segment each week. Right. Where we, like I said, talk about the movie theater thing this week and lots of yep. other things. An extra, and, usually 12, 15-minute segment. And, of course, there have been three to this point, updates on Elliot's relative level of him. Yeah, that's the other thing. We are talking Leslie Stahl reporting. Leslie Stahl reporting on the unhingedness of Elliot Glazer. It is hinge degree. Of it's the Elliot new serial. It's the new serial. It's, it's the thing that people are talking about. People are talking we, about it like it's the new serial. Yeah, <laughs> that's people right. are talking about it. <laughs> people, people so go ahead guys join our patreon go to patreon.com slash you're making it worse that's patreon.com slash you're making it worse patreon.com slash you're making it worse patreon.com <laughs> now on worse. with elliot's butt plug oh my god <laughs> Welcome to your making it worse. We're here. We're queer. Who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual, Textual healing. All right, everyone. So Elliot's favorite blog 
hyper allergic. <laughs> <laughs> um, had a post about how a national museum dedicated to American LGBTQ plus history and culture could be coming to Washington, D.C. Representative Mark Pocan, uh, Pokin from Wisconsin, introduced a bill. Uh, a funny name. 29th. It is a little yeah. bit bizarre, I'll be Pokin. honest with you. Pokin. But he introduced a bill to establish the National Museum of American LGBTQ History and Culture, potentially a part of the Smithsonian Institution. Which it's exciting to you, I'm, I'm assuming, because you love D.C. and you love uh, museums. I love D.C. Both of you. I don't necessarily like this idea. But, uh, but so, so we'll get to that. So so it's, it's quite a bit of a process. Um, you have to first establish a committee to research the museum, and then the committee reports to Congress, and then the Congress has to once again approve... Um, and also, given the fact that Democrats are probably not going to be maintaining control of the Congress, um, certainly not the House, uh, then it seems like it will likely be unlikely to happen in the near future. That said, what are your what's your thoughts on an LGBTQ plus museum? What do you guys think? I don't know. It's kind of like <laughs> like it's kind of like bros. It's you know, it's like well, if you want it, great. I just I, I guess I'm just. I think it's interesting. I mean, it's hard to distill so much of uh, the quote unquote experience into a museum, I would I would say. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's different aspects to queer life. And I feel like I've seen a lot of brilliant exhibits about queer stuff. There's even a gallery in New York, the Leslie Lohman Gallery that yeah. that focuses on it. That is actually super interesting. But um, I don't know. I guess something about it just feels uh, I don't know. I, I think it's. I don't know if, if it's, it feels like it's a worth exhibits, but not necessarily a full it, blown it, museum. It feels <laughs> like it, it feels like it would be the least visited museum in DC uh, behind. Right. The postal, the I don't postal know. Office. They have they have like museums to like dental work there. So like let's yeah. let's be real. I don't I've know. Always, I've really... always wanted to go to their their. They have a postal service museum, and I've yeah. always oh, wow. wanted to go. That one's that. actually good. I've been to that one. There's also one. Of uh, there used to be a museum to crime or something. That yeah, was the spy crazy. museum. I went to yeah, that spy museum. That was good. And the museum, uh, which is closed. Oh, Sorry, real was, real quick. The museum which has closed, unfortunately, was the best museum I think I've ever gone to. Okay. They had a room where in this room they had newspaper clippings of every significant geopolitical event yeah. that has occurred since the 1200s. Yeah. So real newspaper clippings. Uh, yeah. what? Like a library? <laughs> I guess I'm thinking microfiche. Yeah, not microfiche. No, you're looking. No. You're looking at the yeah. actual news clippings of Blackbeard. And the building killed. was beautiful, and it was just. I'm yeah. so, I was so bummed. Down. I was so bummed. Anyway, but anyway, I so my my th I like like you said, Elliot. I love DC. I love museums, and I love DC for museums. I think it is. I'm one of my great friends, Jonathan. He actually works in museums in a, in a Jewish museum in uh, in DC, and we both like just love chatting about our love of museums. And of course, I love the idea of an LGBTQ history museum. I think that's a really important thing. San Francisco has something. And I think that is a good thing. And there is plenty of stuff to put into a museum. There is so much stuff, not just part of the 20th century and the LGBT rights movement that happened in the 20th century. There's so much in, there's a great book called Gay LA that talks about basically queer rights dating back to when the, the Catholic priests came and sort of like vandalized these sort of native populations in California, the ones that cherish sort of the queer leaders of a lot of these populations that were two, they, they were called um, two-spirit people and the, the horrible things that they did to these people. Mm -hmm. So 
gay history, queer history dates back so much further than what we think of as yeah, it's a lot of murder though. <laughs> of course it's a lot of murder, which but is a lot of, of which like is a lot of every places. museum and every history museum because marginalized yeah. people were largely terrified yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of the majority. Anyway, this though, I don't necessarily like the government being involved in this museum because mm. And what's different, I think, about so the Smithsonian has the um, African American History Museum, which I mm-hmm. think is so important. And I think American history, our history as a country, is African American history. So much of it is mm-hmm. because our country was built. Maybe by, yours, I mean, not I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, right. was built by what we did to African American and yeah, African right. people in general. Right. That and is so, the country. Yeah. So that yeah. is our history. That should be our American United States history. We need to learn about that. And it's so great that that museum exists. The Gay Rights History Museum kind of, there's something about it that I'm like, so much about being queer is about being anti-establishment outside, right. of, the norm, outside of sort of the system, if you will. And I feel like, I don't know if I would necessarily trust an exposition, like something in a museum that's put forth by the government Unless I think that Jonathan was yeah. running it. That's I think old, that's I mean, exactly it. That's exactly it for me. It's like, it feels like if we're talking about queerness, it's so um, amorphous and yeah. built on, yeah, bun- bu- uh, bucking the system that it almost feels too clinical to to try and like, you know, shape into a museum. It's, it's almost, yeah. it's almost hard to do. I guess for me, do. I just keep picturing like, what, like, what am I looking at? Oh, there's right. Am, there's I mean, shoppers. I mean, I, no, literally, I mean, we would have to, we would have to, they would have to buy Elliot's antique wooden butt plug <laughs> from the 1600s. Um, no, there's, there's know. so much that would go into it. There's, there's, they would put the stone wall in there. They would put the wall in. But you also have here in LA Black Hat, which actually came before Stonewall. And you have, I mean, there's so. What many- about Black Hat would go in this museum? Oh, I mean, you know, people talking, telling, they're sharing their stories. The exactly what you do at like the Holocaust Museum. Yeah, people sharing their. But stories that sounds about, like a boring ass exhibit. That's what I. <laughs> that's, I don't think it would be boring. It would for someone who loves museums so much. I think you would well, be Alan, fascinated. You by go that. to bars to read books. Like you aren't. We've the been saying that guy. since two thousand eight. Well, it's that's because what that's when you told me. I don't even it. go to bars anymore unless <laughs> yeah. I'm getting paid to. That's right. You stay. You stay at home with your wonderful partner and you read yes. books at home. Yes. Yes. But no, I. I I don't know. I would go to this museum, but I just don't know if I trust it being. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to burn it from the government. You know what I mean? Like that's. I'm never that person either. I'm not that person. But this in particular is weird to me. I have such a visceral memory because you know, growing up in New York, I went to museums all the time, and um, especially as a teenager, because it's like, what else do you have to do? You know, if if you're not a delinquent, and um, (laughs) so, but I have such a distinct memory that I think I've talked about to you guys before and I'll never forget it it's just I think it was at I think it was at the Met maybe maybe the Whitney or something but there was a, a photographic exhibit and I don't even remember the gist of the exhibit per se I just remember these bl- these black and white photograph pictures from like 1992 93 I think yeah. dealing with the AIDS quilt that was made in DC oh, sure okay but the pictures were all <laughs> they were all like gay guys who had like the same haircut and the same like clothes type of clothes like like kind of like a keith herring look you know like white t-shirt jeans yeah yeah yeah. and they and like leather boots and they were all like embracing each other each like couples embracing each other and it was supposed to be like a heartwarming message you were terrified i just just remember looking i just remember seeing it and being like just feeling so 
like I get like I get I don't I don't even know if I knew it was gay at that point, but just the the like sight of like yeah something that it just was like okay this is a thing and I don't know what I think of it and it's it's ben- I, it's kind of benign yeah. but yeah I, I, I still remember head. I think I've told you about this many years ago but I still remember on my on the first trip I ever took to Europe with my family. We were on a Lufthansa flight. Money and every, bags I over still, here. I still remember there was a flight attendant. Oh, the that, flight attendant. The flight attendant named Gary, who was, I I think he might have been the first gay man I saw. Yeah. And I remember being re- repulsed by him. <laughs> but, uh, but but of course, also intrigued, you know, intrigued. That's in that the standard way. for your dating life ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, what's what like of, of all the museums? Because I love this and I love talking about oh. museums. Like, what of all the museums you've ever been to? What's one that stands out as the best? Well, I just told you about the the museum, but I was also going to Elliot think of yours. I didn't mean to cut you off. The museum was unequivocally the best. That was the best. And but I'm a big fan of deep cut museums, which mm. is to say museums about very specific things because you can really kind of dive into one topic. And so I remember going to the New York city uh, transit museum. Oh, that's a good one. Which was in Brooklyn. Oh yeah. That's a good one. And it was a great museum, but they also, it was uh, basically built out of a former abandoned subway. Yeah. 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 And you could walk through uh, every iteration of subway car that they had ever had that cool dating back to like what was it 1903 i think is when the system started so i i fucking loved that and i'll always remember walking through you know they had it was like 10 or 12 cars and just being like this is what people fucking took to work in 1904 i love that i love yeah yeah what about you elliot Oh yeah, it's hard to. I I don't know. It's hard to. I mean, I always like the. I had like severe anxiety. <laughs> had, <laughs> um, but as a teenager, I would go and try to like. I, I can't even describe what I was going through. It doesn't even matter. Basically, <laughs> at a museum, though. <laughs> yeah, I would have like full blown like existential well, panic attacks based on the art and. I, I, like, I, don't know. I don't even know why I'm talking. Did you get a boner from like a nude, a nude portrait or something? Like where you? No, no, no. It was. I, I don't. I honestly don't even know why I talked. Why I even brought this up? It doesn't uh, even make any sense. But uh, <laughs> these, but but museums used to give me panic attacks and and. Uh, but I still remember. <laughs> you can add that to the list. The movie yeah, trailers at movies. Panic attacks. Um, yes. <laughs> trailers at movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know. It's I I think like I always loved um, the. I still love the the new museum on the Lower East Side. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorites. But I always I used to grow go up going grow up going to the Museum of TV and Radio and so renting. Good. Yeah, and like taking renting from their library to watch deep cut shows or oh, odd yeah. or something. It was like it was like you a tiny tiny YouTube before you before the yeah. internet was made it possible. Right. Yeah. What about you, Alan? I have, I mean, I love, as I said, museums, and I, I, I donate. I'm members of, I'm a member of many museums around the world. <laughs> nice. Because I do love, there are, some, there are some love that I do love. Not a lot, not a lot, but I do give to museums because I think they're so important. There are two. One in St. Louis, it's called the City Museum. Anyone mm. who's ever been- <gasps> I want to go to it so bad. Yeah. I've seen it's, it, was a, it was such a part of my teen years because it started, I think, in my teen years. And, or maybe even childhood, I forget. And it, it, it's this weird sort of like, you can 
climb through things and it's it's just a weird and they use all sort of like oh. materials the things yes. that found and it's just That's such fun. a cool google it if it's you like google. a kid's museum it no it's like. not it's for adults i mean we had i think a prom thing there and there's like a bar there and like it's like an adult thing but it's wow. also for kids too huh, i'll look it up the city it museum is a good museum and it's it's just i it's, it's one of the things i'm most proud of from my hometown but my favorite museum ever all time i was blown away by it and i i sort of stumbled upon it by accident is the jewish museum in berlin oh it's, I, oh, oh. Mm. yeah not that one um yeah. <laughs> the jewish museum in berlin i i was i had not converted at that point and i was in there i was in berlin alone doing something i was like on this this we were performing and i was just sort of had the day off and i was working like walking around and i just sort of went into the museum and i have not been more moved and it's not necessarily a sad museum because it's not a Holocaust museum. It's the story mm -hmm. of the Jewish people from the beginning until modern day. And there's this one room that is a Holocaust remembrance room that it's 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 um it's meant to evoke sort of whatever you're feeling. But you walk into yeah. this and the the ceilings are like really tall. I can't even say how tall. And there's only a small little opening of light at the top of it, and the rest of it's all dark and it's calm. Mm. And I've never been in a museum that made me feel. Mm more and that was yeah. i can i remember being there because i'd always kind of thought about converting but i remember being at that museum being like oh wow they won this you is over. like this is like something that i need to i should probably do at some point oh wow that's great did, yeah. was that the one where people take selfies no that's different that so oh. that there's there's a museum and it's near there though i don't know if it's connected to the museum or not but that's a holocaust memorial in Berlin, where mm. um, I, I believe it's supposed to represent the lives lost. And over the years of the Holocaust, it, it goes from like small square stones to really large square stones and mm. horrible people go there and take photographs and stuff of themselves and weird, like smiling and stuff, not realizing what it is they're smiling around. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. very gross. But that also is a beautiful memorial. Mm. Yeah. But that museum, incredible. Change well, you know what, Alan? I support it. I support that museum. <laughs> Not even joking. Are you ready, Brent? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we are Go here ahead, today. Ah, I hate you. <laughs> we are here today with two of the hosts of such a fun podcast. That I can't even say the name of the podcast. Amazing Race. Nicole Georges and Karen Tongson. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello. Game amazing. Game amazing. It doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue at first, but then when you when you say it, you're like, "That's a fun way of yeah. saying that." Yeah. If works. you're an amazing race fan, you, all you need to do is add a guh, and then yeah. you kind of get that game yeah. amazing race. Yeah. Right. Right. You know? right. Yeah. Uh, and gay men know how to add a guh for sure. Exactly. That's right. And, yeah. It was a yeah, gag they're... joke in there somewhere, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was. I didn't get it, but yeah, I know. Thank you. I <laughs> work on it a little right. bit. If you I, had a gag. <laughs> I'm always uh, just ragging on the gay community for putting gay in the middle of like words that just, it doesn't belong. They'll be yeah. like, I like my salad with gay, ganch dressing. And you're like, you just call it ranch. Or gunkle. Gunkle's another one. Gunkle's another one that drives me absolutely yeah. crazy. Well, anyway. that's like the ska community did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how so? How so? Is ever, how so? Oh my God. I grew up in Kansas and I had a friend with a zine called Skansas. Oh my oh, god. Anything, anything could have a scus. Scus. Mephiscopheles. 
<laughs> everything. Oh, wow. <clears throat> that wow. is so funny. Well, you got the Amazing Race. I'm a fan of the Amazing Race. Are you Alien Print? Are you guys a fan? Of uh, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna preface because obviously this podcast is all about me. I was gonna preface by saying I this is like a show that's been in the zeitgeist for what two decades now, and yeah. I have never really connected. I've never connected. Oh. I've never watched one episode, but I know Alan loves it, and obviously yeah, you guys love it. I've too. watched a few episodes, and it's it is pretty. Uh, it's pretty addictive once you get into oh, it. So, I've yeah. watched two seasons. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I've, watched every, I've watched pretty much every season. It's, it, <laughs> it's a it's a fantastic show. So where did the idea for doing a gay sort of retelling or rewatch, if you will, of The Amazing Race come from? Nicole, do you want to take this one? Because I think it was just one of those, you know, situations where I think Nicole is a, an amazing race groomer, basically. Yeah. I think that she's been <laughs> off seeking different people who she might cleave to to run the race with. But I, I'll let you start telling the tale. Well, Karen and I just kept running into each other at parties and we would talk about stuff. And it just I don't remember when it, when I brought up the amazing race and it just it just happened where Karen outed herself as being an amazing race fan who also was an amazing race groomer. <laughs> who also had perhaps tried to get different people to, but I to apply with her, but I've actually applied with so many friends and ex-girlfriends. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Wait, tell tell us a little bit about that process. What's that like? And also, oh yeah, and also why the amazing race versus any other reality show or competition? Karen, why? I'll answer as a Virgo and that's as a traveling Virgo, in fact. And it's because I think that one of the things that compels me about The Amazing Race is, especially in earlier seasons, in the pre-COVID seasons, just how much organizational aplomb you have to have mm. and the kind of, you know, your ability to, A, get the best flight, maneuver your way through an airport, to know where to position yourself on a plane, to deplane in the quickest way possible, and right. also to master various mind puzzles, etc. Yeah. Uh, that's, to me, that, that aspect of The Amazing Race, to me, was the hook. And, you know, uh, the bungee jumping and the kind of scaling tall things uh, and some, like, I don't know, like wheeling bales of giant bales of hay yeah. through, you know, Provence weren't exactly right. appealing. Feels very fear factor to me. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, and I do remember actually when Nicole first brought it up, and I do think it was when I first went on her other podcast, Sagittarian Matters, and we were talking about my last book, um, Why Karen Cropper Matters, <laughs> and, uh, and she, I don't know, somehow you veered off to, I, I made a joke about something being very amazing race-like. And she said, do you watch? Do you like it? <laughs> okay, well, go ahead. Nicole. It is yeah. one of those shows where when you find, cause I, I've watched the show for a while. I've auditioned for the show. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, yes, wow. with my good buddy. And I thought about this before we even started today, I was thinking like, would I audition with Brent or Elliot. I don't think I'd audition with Elliot because Elliot would use all of our budget to upgrade his seat to first class. Yeah, would. <laughs> in the first you. episode, the first episode, yeah. he'd be like, I don't like the leg room and coat. Yes, he'd be, he'd be horrible. He'd be horrible. Brent, I think I would get very far with because he is frugal and he, he uh -huh. would be able to be accommodate to really any shitty living situation because I've seen most of his living situations and they've mostly been shitty. Uh, well, thank you very much, Alan. I will also add, however, 
The downside is that I get very irritable if you spend more than two days with me. So that's the flip side of it. Days. I would be very different. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, so have you guys auditioned before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell oh. us about the process. Oh, Nicole, Nicole has. Nicole I has. have. <clears throat> Gosh, I've auditioned. I've sent in it. The first tape I sent in with my friend Beth Pickens we really thought that we had a great video. Our friend Chris edited it. And I was so convinced that we were going to get on the show. Yeah. I was like telling my partner at the time, I was like, okay, this school wants to hire me for the spring, but I know that's when they're <laughs> going to be filming. So I should say no, right? <laughs> it was like, I think you were just dead take the, set. Just take the job for now and you'll figure <laughs> it out. But no one had like called me. I hadn't gone to any <clears throat> second round. I just was had so much faith in our tape. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and then other ex-girlfriends I've applied with. Once I applied with a straight man and they loved it and they wanted us to go on the show and then it just wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, what, and I, what, once I went to an in-person audition. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean it wasn't a thing? Like they loved you and the straight guy, but like you but you didn't get past a certain point? What do you mean? They wanted us to be a couple on the show and we were not oh. a couple. And then. You did want an Amazing Race beard. I didn't yeah, want an amazing right. race beard. <laughs> and I had friends that had lied before and gotten pretty far. Yeah. And then they really saw through that pretty quickly. Yeah. They did like why, a. But why would they lie if if, if it's all about being. Because they know the storylines. You know the storylines on need, the show. Yeah, you need yeah. stakes. It needs to be like, if we get through this race, right. Karen's going to propose. Yeah. Or yeah. like. I mean, the, the, the Christ, they do that on Chopped. Yeah. yeah, you know they're they're always like, well, if I win, I'm gonna buy a new house. When oh, I this guy needs this house, I auditioned you know? with my buddy all three times, and we Who? with Brian, and we didn't get very far the first the first time. Second time, we got in contact with the producer, and we were chatting, and everything was great, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. But then they. They were like coking us. Co they were trying to get me to tell more of my story about cancer and stuff, and I didn't want to talk about. It. So the third one, they were like, "Just go ham, just go ham on the cancer." So we did a whole video oh about my God. cancer, and it was wow. the worst video I think I've ever seen in my life. But we got, <laughs> Wait, we got, I need to see that. We got, That's pretty, awesome. we got, we got in touch. Like we had conversations with people, and then it just never got anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Karen, have you auditioned, or and if if not, would you? So I've never auditioned. I've gotten as far as in the early aughts, you know, um, when the internet was much slower, I did spend a tremendous amount of time online filling out the really long application where yeah. you have to divulge your wow. greatest fears, what you hope to conquer during the amazing race, Yeah, you know, um, like just sort of physical limitations. And there were several, honestly, all of my, you know, teammate ideas were in the realm of gay friendship or gay coupledom. Yeah. First being with a really femme gay man who was a good friend of mine, but we had a pretty volatile relationship insofar as we'd have like a random friend breakup every other month. Oh, especially if I said something mean about Mariah, which I never really did, oh, but he God. read between the lines. Anyway, so <laughs> oh, boy. So there was that. I was like, it would be great. Also, you know, he's so like you know, he, he's, he's got such a personality and we're both Asian. It'll be great. And we, he was the closest, I think I got mm, to actually ever yeah. submitting something. Also keep in mind that during the, the period of my peak physical ability, I was a, a, a PhD student in, in mm. English literature. Mm. So I was kind of like, well, 
um, you know, I didn't have access to folks who could make videos. Everybody yeah. was still like reading 19th century novels. So it was yeah, like, right, right. you know, I didn't have, and we didn't have iPhones, et cetera, et cetera, to like make right. an easy video would have been a production. So, yeah. so, it, and then, you know, various partners rebuffed me like, from the beginning, they'd, I, you know, I'd kind of bring it up at some point when we were, you know, past, gently past the U-Haul phase of lesbian coupledom. And then they, you know, they'd be like, there's no way I'm running the Amazing Race with you. Don't even try. <laughs> right. Wow. right. And then right. once, yeah. There's oh, all those ahead. discussions about what you can and can't do. Like you try to like barter what the group friendship, like what your abilities would be, right? This exactly. is all Karen and I do. Yeah. And this is kind of, and, and, you know, the other, the other one I will mention, and I think we would have really had a shot is that another, like once I became a professor and then there was a colleague of mine uh, and we had, who was kind of prominent, we had a bit of a falling out. And I said, what if we were on the amazing race and we could be like, ex-friends will we become <laughs> friends again oh, on the amazing really race yeah because we're just here to cravenly win this thing and use our right. acumen to do it but yeah, yeah. what's the prize a million dollars split yeah. two One ways million. oh yeah. my god a million oh wow that's oh, it's that five hundred thousand dollars let's be real but then after taxes <laughs> yeah. so you yeah. each get yeah. two hundred and fifty thousand dollars sure right they like to be like you win a million dollars and it's like there's two of us, so I'm getting $300,000. I mean, it is kind of funny how, like, these shows have been around since the early aughts, and, like, the, the prize money hasn't budged. Oh, my God. Yeah. Drag, right? race, drag race just increased. It was $100,000 was the winning prize, and just last year, they upped it to two fifty. I think. Yeah, and Chopped oh, is yeah. ten grand. Look, yeah. I know I keep bringing up Chopped, but I'm just saying. But on Chopped, people act like that's going to change their lives yeah, in a really know. serious way. And I'm like, no. am I rich? Because I don't think that would change my life that, no. that much. No, they literally always talk about opening a new restaurant with the six grand they're going to get. Like, it takes a lot more. Opening a restaurant itself a punishment? Like, that is the most yeah. grueling of course. work possible. So even I've watched Restaurant Rescue or whatever it's called a couple times. And I'm just Bar like. Bar Rescue, yeah. Bar, I'm just like, I don't know. I have to know as an Amazing Race fan, because I love these conversations, and I have to know between Karen and Nicole, what would your strengths and weaknesses be as teammates? Nicole, you have to start with us. Well, Karen can eat anything, and I'm vegan. Oh, so no, uh, there's a built-in That's your opening line. talking line, is that yeah. she's vegan. That's our yeah. built-in storyline of them being like, will she, won't she? For a million dollars, will Nicole eat a live frog? Whatever. Or like the maggot cheese that they served in Corsica. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, Which yeah. I would have eaten that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, neither of us like bungee jumping. Neither of us are interested in that. I've tried to sign a pact before with other friends to just throw me off the mountain if needed for us to win the million dollars. With a bungee, presumably? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, great. All and, right. And Nicole is a, a, is a, an illustrator. She's an artist and she can do tremendous things with like, she can draw, she's mm. very visually oriented. So I think that that would be a great strength of Nicole's and, you know, and I am super super anal with directions and mapping and ich spreche ein bisschen deutsch alan's german or whatever yes. yeah 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 german or whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well you know let me ask you as someone who obviously doesn't know a ton about the show but like are there so there are presumably some of our listeners don't know also don't watch uh, the Amazing Race. Mm -hmm. Are there seasons or or particular couples that are just like where you know this is Amazing Race one hundred and one. This is where you start and why? Yeah. Where do you suggest people to start? Yeah. 
Karen, you remember everyone's names better than I do. Well, I think, first of all, like the prototypical straight couple where there's like an aggro dude and a, a woman, just like the tragedy of heterosexuality writ large. Mm-hmm. That would be Colin and whatever the name of his partner was. Christy. Colin and Christy, because yeah. they were just, you know, the dude was always they? angry, so pissed. And then she was yeah. like, I wish you weren't so bad all the time. I mean, and I know that it's very triggering and I don't mean to make light of yeah, situations no, yeah, yeah. where there could, you know, whatever be no. violence and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but the funny thing is, you know, because they were such a successful team, they were invited back at some point. And then Colin had a, a, a metamorphosis, a transformation and he became super like meditative and they advanced. He's like, I'm just like here to breathe and take in the experience. So, so we see mm-hmm. a whole arc there yeah. and actually we see the reinforcement of heterosexuality. And so far as it presents us the reform narrative around the insufferable straight guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one place to go, but in terms of gay teams or, or our fan fiction, gayish teams, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole, who are the, who is the, Who's the gay guy we had on the amazing, the gay amazing race who his partner didn't come with him, but he was like iconic. Oh, Oswald. Oswald. And Danny. Danny and Oswald. Like, like the uh, uh, Latino, gay Latino team from Miami who uh, just basically exemplified sort of the very best of cosmopolitan homosexuality and mm. our, our capacity to wheedle our way into any situation. Mm-hmm. And Danny and Oswald, they're an iconic team. They're they're the uh, prototypical gay amazing team. Mm. And then there's the kind of pseudo villainous gay team. Yeah. Um, we had on uh, Team, team Guido, Guido oh, named wow. after their dog. Yeah. Was it a Chihuahua? It wasn't a yeah. Chihuahua though. Yeah. Was it? Okay. But I feel like they told I think me it, it was wasn't. a Chihuahua. Okay. But in the first seasons, anytime there was a gay team, they would get the villain edit. So you'd be the str- yeah. you see the straight people like wow. throwing each other's backpacks across an airport, and they'd be like good for you guys get together at the end of the day yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the gay guys who like decided not to fight in front of the cameras and supported each other they were like what are they up to uh, what are they up? that's what i wanted to ask you i'm oh, sorry just let me get this question about first yeah. season, because it's so important so like in you're right in the first season of both the amazing race and survivor which both were within a year of each other the and queer richard people hatch was- richard hatch yeah and queer people for the first 10 years let's say of those shows both of those shows often got well that's five years often got the villain edit got that got that sort of and that team that you're referencing they i mean so much so that at the end in the last episode of the amazing race of the first season the gay couple is just chilling in alaska because they weren't able to get back to the finish line and that they didn't even wait for them to end the show to get back to finish the show oh, wow. so much they hated these two dudes what how has the show changed in sort of queer rights in general has changed over the years of the show how has the show's depiction of queer people changed since that villainous time do you want to say anything about this nicole because you know we we i mean the new season we had what we thought was the greatest hope of lesbianica battlestar lesbianica but nicole do you want to say a little bit about asta and nina and how they differed from you know some of our other teams is the casting different or is it the edit? I don't know. But Asta and Nina were two L.A. lesbians who really liked each other. We were so hopeful. I was texting Karen during the first episode. Being two like, women oh my of God, color. This is our time. Two women of color. One's a comedian. One's former military. They've got it all. What a couple. 
They yeah. got they got out the first episode. Oh, so, I think, but I think they're I think that they're casting more likable, more rootable uh, gay teams, teams that you actually want to root for, or that's the narrative they're giving them. Because at some point, the Beekman boys won, and they were like, "Hey, people liked that. Okay, uh-huh. maybe the gay people don't have to be Jafar." You know, in every yeah. thing. That that's what I think. Karen, what do you think? I don't know if we've actually ever talked about this. I think I think that honestly, what I what I've noticed is that they ca- they cast more gay people on teams. So not like teams that aren't necessarily all gay teams or that's the prevailing storyline. But as we just discovered this week when we interviewed the uh team that was eliminated this past week, Linton and Sharik that Sharik actually is a queer identified person and that did not factor at all in their narrative. So, so there are a lot of like kind of semi-closeted narratives too. So the, so part of me is just like, there were queer people running the race and maybe there were before, but uh, the prominence of the gay narrative isn't something that the producers are pursuing because that team, their Jamaican father daughter team, and they thought that they were going to get hate from their community mm, about sure. the, the, that kind of relationship and yeah. Sharik's queerness. Uh, but actually they got hate for an entirely different reason because, okay, you great. know, good, good, good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. But also <laughs> I think Mike, Mike White might've changed things. Mike White and his yeah. dad were on the show twice and they were such a likable team. The director of White Lotus and other films and stuff. Yeah. Oh, and he's gay or he's gay. Yes. Okay. Got it. And, and his dad was too, right? And his dad was gay. His oh, dad wow. used to be like a Christian preacher. And then he came out as gay and changed his life and became this huge gay rights activist. Oh, and they were really likable. I think they probably tested really well. And so the producers were like, hey. Yeah. yeah. And then he yeah. kind of went on because after The Amazing Race, he went on Survivor. And he kind of became a little bit of a villain on Survivor. Who? who, who Mike or his Mike, father? Mike White. Mike. Yeah. Wow. Is there won- a- no, did he win? No, he, he came in second in Survivor. He came in second because yeah. nobody wanted to vote for the evil scheming gay. Exactly. Do yeah. they get do they get any money if they come in second? Yes. They get okay. I think they get like I don't know how much. I think they get something. something. Like do you get yeah. any money to be to be voted out first? Do you get like a thousand bucks just for I think showing you get up? a reality like, you know. Yeah. Friends got a Google Doc going. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Much money he can make. (laughs) What 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 makes the amazing race um inherently queer if it if if there is anything that makes it queer? And I wonder also swim trunks. The what? The swim trunks. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Between between that and survivor, because I kind of Mm. group them and maybe I'm doing so incorrectly, but like is are one or the other particularly queer and or do do you do you read into that at all? Hmm. I think that the pleasure that we take in watching the amazing race because you know when we decided to start Game Amazing Race during the pandemic as people took on multiple projects they're like hey let's just yeah. do it you know mm-hmm. is that we realized you know okay great the initial premise was to talk to all the gay teams and stuff like that but then you know once they launched a new season we and there were the gay teams were eliminated or what have you. Nicole and I realized that, you know, one can have a very artful, as we call it, fanfic relationship to the show where we project mm-hmm. a lot of queerness <laughs> yeah. onto it. So sure. last season, for example, when they're at the Oracle of Delphi in Greece, yeah. you know, there's like, you know, Greece is is all about, you know, Greek stuff is very gay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and yeah. and sapphic. So we had we, you know, so we so we have a lot of like Cole Porter-esque type 
fun with innuendo (laughs) when we do this show but also you know but in terms of survivor you know look i think survivor is um i enjoy watching survivor as well but it's it's a differently paced show it's about it's a long it's a long uh burning game and and yeah and amazing race is just about like it's about winning a leg winning different legs i don't know nicole what do you think I mean, when we started the podcast, we just wanted to pay homage to all the gay teams that had been on the show. And we just wanted to talk about them and talk about their edits and their treatment. And then, yeah, as we've gone on watching the seasons real time, it has been more of fan fiction of us having to be like, those two women are very close. Yeah. <laughs> what could be happening? Yeah. Um, and so I don't yeah. think the show is inherently gay. We do savor those gay moments. But um, yeah. don't we I tend was... to do that, though, as viewers, of just queer viewers in general of reality TV. Mm-hmm. You're seeing it now with um, the Great British Bake Off with Sandro that you see online. Everyone wants this man to be. He's this muscle sort of baker dude from the seasons um, uh, of, the, of the Bake Off. And everyone wants him to be gay so badly because he is the stereotype in a lot of ways of like the muscle dude, you know, with the, where's the shirts that show the muscles and he's baking. And how queer is that, that he's muscly, but he's baking. And we do that even with the amazing race or with survivor or any of these shows where like you see these players and you're like, I bet they're gay. And I'm also noticing with, maybe this is a producer thing, but with the show, like on the bake off, for example, the, their private lives, like basically if they're not married and they're single, it's very much hush hush about their dating. Very, you don't very, hear them talking yeah. about it. And I think that's intentional very because so. the queer narrative on Twitter of guessing if this person's gay or gay people going obsessively on yeah. these characters is fuels viewership. Yeah, fuels viewership. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I often, whenever it comes time to questioning whether a, a, a candidate on a reality show is gay or not, I just, I ask a very simple question. Have they met Elliot Glazer? Have they <laughs> spent time with him personally? And if the answer is no, they're not gay, quite frankly. Uh, well, Alan, what, what, what would you as a survivor, because I feel like you're more of a survivor Me? fanatic than, yeah, more. Yeah. I'm assuming more yeah, than, yeah. a little more than Nicole and Karen, who are more Amazing Race. I'm definitely more Survivor, but I still watch Amazing Race. But if I had to choose, like in order, Survivor always comes first. Does one feel gayer than the other? Survivor does primarily because they compete in their underwear. But yeah, nudity. Survivor, yeah, yeah. Right. There's, a, oh. there's a lot of flesh. Whereas in the Amazing Race, and the, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but like, there's there's definitely an element of sure people work together and stuff but it's usually just two people it's an intimate relationship you're watching multiple sets of intimate relationships try to navigate this race and for me as a survivor person i'm kind of like i like the group mentality of the games and you know the strategy play that comes with dealing with eight annoying people you know what i mean they do wear more layers on the amazing race and i think that's why maybe if survivor's more gay the amazing race is more lesbian for that no, reason and yeah. also the coupling <laughs> off and the pairs and all yeah. of intimacy, that intimacy like, communication the, the right. yeah exactly the urge to merge all of yep. these like kind of too close <laughs> the, 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 the excessiveness of closeness right. i do think that we do nicole i think that from our game amazing perspective we we do tend to produce more not just because we identify as queer women and, and lesbians and what have you um but i do think that there's more room for producing kind of lesbian slash fanfic in hmm. the amazing race. i mean yeah there's just there's a lot of codependency that happens various levels on the show you get to yeah. watch and they always have gal pals and those yeah. gal 
Pal pals start to lean on each other more and more and more. It's as true. the season goes on. They do. And then it's, I love you so much. And then we're like, I bet you do. You know, by the end, <laughs> they get to be like, like almost like volleyball teammates where they slap each other on the butt. And you're like, I saw that. Of course <laughs> it's volleyball. <laughs> it's one well, step away from softball. <laughs> well, Karen and Nicole, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Where can people find your podcast? Where can they find you on the internet? Nicole, you want to go first? We are, our podcast uh, is on Instagram at as it at Game Amazing Race or the Game it Amazing is at Race. Game Amazing You'll find Race, it. Yeah. Um, it's at Game Amazing Race. At Game Amazing Race. I'm at Nicole J. Georges on Twitter and on Instagram. All right. And yeah, you can basically listen to the Game Amazing Race wherever you, got, wherever you get your podcast. Right, right. Uh, and I'm Karen Tongson. I'm at Inland Emperor on Twitter and at Tongsonator on Instagram. You can also listen to me on the Waiting to Exhale podcast, which is a queer woman of color show about Gen X. Oh, so, and Nicole has Sagittarian Matters as well. So uh, this right. is our kind of side. We're not just professional. <laughs> Inland so Emperor many podcasts. Is such options. a good Instagram name, Karen. Inland yeah. Emperor. Is that what you call it? Is that your Instagram? Inland Emperor. I'm on Twitter as Inland Emperor. And then sadly, it wasn't available on, on Twitter. So I just became Tongsonator. But for anyone yeah. LA Inland Empire is sort of a you know it's it's a place it's where you go to get some of the great food in Los Angeles and that's why yeah. I responded so well to yeah. <laughs> for anyone not well, thanks in LA again, guys. thanks so much for doing the podcast thank you so much and another thing so when it comes to salad you know there's different ways of eating salad some people like you know an 80s style salad with just like you know I, I call like 80s style salads, like the ones with sprouts in them, you know, <laughs> I feel tofu, like sprouts, like yeah. 80s health food salad. Great. Well, no, I think of those as being salads from now, like a sweet green salad yeah. is a pile. I've heard, you know, like it's more of a pile of things. Yeah. I love salads, um, but I love salads and, but they have to be correct. And yeah. so I'm wondering what your ideal salads are. That's what yours is. You those... love them so much. Yeah, yeah, you start. Sure, sure, sure. Well, look, this is the, this last year was the year that I really got into Asian chicken salads. <laughs> believe oh it or my not. God. It took me a while. <laughs> but I <laughs> I love a sort of modified Cobb salad. Uh, not, I don't go anywhere near mushrooms. <laughs> I do not want boiled oh, egg like in my egg. in my, in my salad. Egg in it? It's added I don't protein. Want egg. I thought you'd be like, no, yeah, no. I I don't want the I don't want yolk and egg. I don't want it in the salad. <laughs> you know. Oh. But I love a a mix of sweet, of course, as you can imagine. Like put as many strawberries, blackberries. Wow. Um, yeah. What dressing? Cherry, like give me fruit, yeah, apples, pear. I love. A little bit of blue cheese, oh, okay. or I douse it in olive oil. Sure, my mom's yeah. like made a, a uh, she makes a salad every single night for like the last fifty years, and she always has oil and vinegar. That's like yeah. my favorite thing. It's the Which best. I actually, I like. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. I kind of like yeah modified cob, and I, I I don't think kale is necessary. You know, like it's kind of a punishment a in a salad if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. But I it is. It yeah, is, my new uh, my new thing or my, the thing that I love that I feel is like sort of a guilty pleasure is a little bit of cold pasta inside. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> pasta a little salad. bit of cold pasta. Did you, call, did you call that a guilty pleasure? Yeah, like there's no need to put like 
a sa- you know pasta or noodles in a salad. I feel like man, a, a guilty pleasure in a salad is a mountains bar. Like I mean, yeah, so no. noodles. I feel isn't like, I always bad. think a guilty pleasure is like like a blue cheese dressing, like a heavy dressing. Like that's yeah. a guilty pleasure. Right. Well, that's I I don't like to I don't like a dress like a doused salad. You know, sure. that's all where the, that's where all the calories lie. So I think that's why I think of it as a guilty pleasure because it's New like York, I'm not having a sandwich in so. New York. I would get salads a lot, like once a week. Oh, chopped and it chopped, and they, they would always. Here, so they really they basically don't me off. I really miss that. That's the thing I miss We're most. A, so much dressing on well, the salads. Yeah, but you can ask. I mean, you can you yeah, can ask. Yeah. You can modify. Yeah. I that's that's what I'm. I mean, honestly, like something I miss about New York is custom salad. Uh, like to go lunch. There actually like is. I, I think there is a custom chopped. salad place. That's there is the downtown. downtown. I saw. Yeah. I saw. Oh. Yeah, I saw that. There's one, I mean, here I go to Gelson's grocery store to get a custom salad that I can make. It's just like a salad so bar that you can like, expensive. it is so expensive. But sometimes when you want that like salad just the way you want it, you just got it have once, to do it. And it smelled like shit oh, by the time what'd I you got it. I don't know. I think, I think there was something was rancid. I think I, I think I still ate it, but whatever. <laughs> um, oh my God. So my ideal salad is the house salad at Outback. Guys. Wow, Lettuce. that's not a salad. Excuse <laughs> me. Ellie just alienated half of the country. How dare you? No, I mean it's delicious, but it's not. It's not a cold iceberg lettuce, a ton of cheese dressing, <laughs> and croutons <laughs> is not a salad. It's tomatoes, delicious, but it's not a salad. Tomatoes, croutons, yeah, uh, 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 uh purple onions. I think tomatoes mm-hmm. are purple. No, that's ca- I think that's cabbage, I not purple love. onions. No, it's per- it's definitely purple onions. Oh. Um I had it last week in fact, right? Right as we speak. Uh I also will say and I will make this at home sometimes. I make wedge salads, which is also oh, Also not a salad, uh, but delicious. It's very <laughs> passive aggressive today. No, I mean Elliot. I'm I'm sorry. The I mean abuse. it. <laughs> I mean it just it's, it's <laughs> so <laughs> It's just so funny because it's the it, it totally defeats the purpose of quote unquote a salad. It's because it's literally like iceberg. I don't eat I don't eat pork. I don't eat bacon. So an iceberg a wedge is iceberg lettuce, blue cheese dressing, sometimes walnuts and bacon. So like yeah. for me, it's just kind of like when I have a steak, I'll make a wedge and it's like That's great. Like I don't think the purpose of a salad is necessarily to be healthy though. Like I I mean I think mm. that's the implication that people with I think might strange anxieties might have you know like people people who people are like if you're counting Feels familiar calorie well that maybe a salad becomes a food thing but i think yeah. for most people a salad is sort of like like when i was a, a type kid of food and we went to ruby tuesdays i was not thinking about health at all i just wanted to go to that salad bar and put Love. like as much cheddar oh, cheese and dressing on that bar. salad that is like I, cheese it, literally my my salads at like salad bars or a little bit of lettuce, like two croutons, and then cottage cheese, cheddar cheese, and ranch. <laughs> That's That's great. That. So, so there's, there's how we do salads is so funny and different. It's so I love hearing. That's yours, why Elliot. I asked. Yeah. I love I love hearing yours, Elliot, because I kind of thought it would go that way, but there are yeah. twists in it too. Where with oh my pasta, God. I would never put. No, I mean that's that's rare, but salad. but there's a place here called Chick- California Chicken Cafe that is very stuck in in like an '80s menu, which I yeah. love, and it's like just iceberg. It's like cold pasta croutons, like it's just it's perfect, yeah. and I yeah. love I love an '80s health salad basically. But I I will also say that like truly. Uh, 
nothing beats a, a pear gorgonzola salad either. Oh well, we, we have a winner on that one. Gorgonzola walnuts. I'm with I'm with Brent in that. I don't do the house salad, but there is I I swear to God they take they make their Caesar salads at Outback and then they put them in a deep freeze because when it comes to your table it is the coldest set and it is delicious it's wonderful yeah it's salad is my favorite thing there it's just it is so, so good. good and what's so funny is like i don't i don't really like the croutons because i have a lot of fake teeth and it really bothers me to like mm-hmm. punch into them you know what i mean mm. so the, those i usually give away and i just have the salad mix i love a caesar salad but my favorite salad of all of any anywhere i can go is a cob salad i think a cob salad yeah. is um. literally a perfect salad in that it satisfies everything you need. Yep. A li- there's a little bit of health options in it. There's a little bit of guilt options in it. There's a little bit of crunch, but not too much crunch. Like yeah. it has everything you need. It does. It. Except I think I don't, I never do. I don't do mushrooms. I hate mushrooms. And I think tomatoes are the most bullshit food in the world. I don't in like their, tomatoes that much In their much natural either. form, in their natural form. If you cook them in a stew or on a pizza or whatever it is, they're perfect. But to have them in a salad, yeah. Or just eat them regularly, I think, or on a burger or anything. I think it's oh, I'll, I'll do it on a burger, too, but like they're in too a salad, wet of food. Too much mush. It's too yeah, exactly. Too much mush. I don't like got it. Jizz uh, I love a beef steak tomato with a little bit of salt on it. Perfect. I do. I do enjoy caprese. I'll do a caprese. Yeah, I'll do that. Oh, yeah. Well, that okay. I'll, I'll give you on that. That is that's a good way to eat it. But I do. I do love a cob salad, and I also love. There was another salad I was thinking. Well, from Alcove, I love the cob salad. Okay. From Alcove. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't get I, I stress about making salads at home because they're just boring. I can never get them the way I want them with all of the ingredients. I like a lot of ingredients that I don't normally have at home. That's I was going to say, it's also not to penny pinch on everything, but you're like, to make a, the salad I want, it's like a $20 dinner. Yeah. And I'm and like, like, well, I might as well just get a steak or something, you know? It's like to make a Cobb salad, <laughs> yeah. think about it. You got to have bacon, chicken. Dressing, dressing, lettuce, all of lettuce, the vegetables, the this, cheese, that. all these. You have to cook the bacon. You have to cook the chicken. You have to yeah. cut it up into the little cubes so you're not eating too much at one time. It's right. annoying. It's annoying. Fuck. It's tedious. Salad is the ultimate restaurant sort of like mm. like luxury food, if you think mm. about it. Yeah, right. especially to Brent's point, a caprese is, is nothing gets better than that. Yep. Yeah. See you guys at Outback. <laughs> What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? For once, I agree with Brent. Elliot was abusive in the last <laughs> segment. <laughs> I was not. No. Salad judger. <laughs> My aunt Joanne would say, I'm buying you a ticket right now, a one-way ticket to all the Jewish museums in the world. <laughs> How about Aunt Anne? Aunt Anne would say, I might be crass for saying this, but I'm surprised you guys got through a segment on salad and didn't do a joke about tossing Oh, that's salad. a good point. <laughs> that's a really good point. Good old Aunt Anne. Give her a smoochie for me, would you? Oh, my God, I can't. Send her uh, a smooch. Goodbye. Oh, bye. Goodbye. That's how Elliot wants to end it now. Goodbye. <laughs>